Welcome to the Dispensary Nashville Cares Harm Reduction Bi-Weekly Podcast. The Dispensary will address cutting-edge approaches to substance abuse problems, information on syringe exchange programs, HIV, HCV education, and harm reduction methods to prevent overdoses and save lives. Harm reduction experts and peer guests will educate the public about drugs while dispelling popular myths, misinformation, and stigma. Before we jump in, a note on the Dispensary content. This podcast is created to educate and discuss harm reduction as it pertains to drug use. Some episodes may address drug use, depression, mental illness, sexually transmitted infections, sexual content, and death. These topics may be triggering to listeners with similar experiences. Listener discretion is advised. Now, here are your hosts of The Dispensary, Lisa Binkley and Tina Ross. Thank you for joining the dispensary. My name is Lisa Binkley, and before we get started today, we have some programming updates and some information to share. My co-host, Tina Ross, is not here. Boo! Unfortunately, she has fallen victim to the COVID virus. It finally caught her. Uh, She's not happy, and I don't blame her. I would not be happy either. Excuse me. She and I have managed to remain COVID-free since the beginning of the pandemic, so I imagine that feels like a big old fail to her. But it's not, Tina, you were careful, you did everything, COVID gotcha. Um, She's fine, she feels okay, she's had minimal symptoms, and the good news is she'll be back for the next episode. So, we're wishing her a speedy recovery. Hang in there, Tina. Also, I wanted to let everyone know that Nashville Cares will be holding its annual Nashville AIDS Walk on October 1st at One Public Square Park, Nashville. Uh, That's One Public Square Park sits behind the old courthouse right in the middle of town and this will be the 31st year of the AIDS walk and that makes it Tennessee's oldest continuously running HIV AIDS fundraiser and advocacy event. Yay! Uh, This year's goal is $200,000 and I know we can exceed that with the help of all our friends and family and our community and our listeners. Listeners make donations, okay? Uh, it's going to be a lots of fun. There's going to be food trucks, vendors, live music. So come down and join us for the festivities. And if you want to donate, you can visit Nashville Cares website at nashvillecares.org backslash give. All right, let's get started with today's episode, the other F word. What's the other F word you might ask? That is fentanyl. Fentanyl is destroying our communities, it's destroying families, and it's doing it at an alarming rate. Um, Individuals who are struggling with addiction issues, it's nearly impossible for them to tell if the drug they're buying contains fentanyl. They they would have to have like a drug testing kit or a fentanyl test strip uh, to really know. Uh, Criminal drug networks are mass-producing fake pills and falsely marketing them as legitimate prescriptions. I mean, sometimes you look at the the fakes against the reels, and the reels look fake. I mean, the fakes are really good. They're buying pill presses. Uh, It's really, really hard to tell. And, you know, people buy it, and they're unsuspecting buyers, and they go home, and they take what they normally would take, and they're dying. Um, These pills are easy to purchase. They sell them through social media platforms, and they're making them available to anybody that has a smartphone. You know, everybody has a smartphone. I saw, like, I think she was, like, 
five or six years old. She was tiny, like not ready for school, but she had this cell phone. That could be mama's old cell phone. But she was steady pushing and talking. The point is, kids are getting phones earlier and earlier. And with these folks marketing, using social media, that's TikTok and, and um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, it's so accessible. Um, listen, I urge parents, caregivers, educators, anybody that's a community influ influencer to visit the Drug Enforcement Agency, that's the DEA, website and download the emoji drug code decoded pdf file it's super informative and could very well save the life of someone you care about um it it this is part of the dea's uh one pill can kill campaign and when i saw it i was i was shocked because they're using um emojis they're using emojis to let people know what types of drugs that they're selling. Why well, use emojis all day long? Everybody uses emojis, especially kids. So download that. Take a look at it so you'll know. You'll be aware. Um, the first thing that came to mind when I saw it was, thank God, I'm not a teenager. I am so glad I don't have to deal with what teenagers are dealing with nowadays. I mean, so fortunate. I mean, I don't want to tell you when I graduated, but it was in 1982. I told you. I'm ancient. But I didn't have to worry about that. I wasn't worried about fentanyl. I mean, somebody was really wild if they were smoking a little pot. Um, you know, the most exciting thing we did was drive to O'Hickory and buy cherry vodka and go to the Dairy Queen and drive home. I mean, it was, and nobody should drink and drive, let me say. No one drank and drive. We just went there, bought it, then went home and drank it. Uh, but I just, I mean, kids have to worry about so much. They have to worry about drugs. They have to worry about somebody coming in their school and shooting them. I just, when I saw it, I just thought, oh, thank God I'm not a teenager. Um, but download it, especially if you're teachers, so you'll know what's going on. Uh, it's quite shocking, actually. So we're going to take a break. Um, we got some some small things out of the way. And we'll be back in a few minutes, and we're going to start the full program. So hang tight. We'll be back. Today's episode of the Dispensary Podcast is brought to you by Nashville Cares. Founded in 1985, Nashville Cares is the premier HIV-AIDS service organization in Tennessee. Annually, Nashville Cares serves more than 60,000 people statewide and provides comprehensive services to clients throughout 17 counties in Middle Tennessee. Nashville Cares offers targeted education, free and confidential HIV and hepatitis C testing, and a broad range of comprehensive services to individuals who are at risk for or living with HIV. Do you know your HIV status? HIV self-tests give you the power to decide when and where to test. Test Sticks and Chill provide on-demand delivery or shipping of HIV home test kits at no cost to you. Test Kits and Chill is a 24-hour access to peace of mind. Contact the Nashville Cares 24-hour hotline at 615-761-4474 to order your test kit. Condoms, lube, sex, oh my! Want condoms? Need condoms? We got you. Nashville Cares Johnny on the Spot Prime is the only 24-hour free condom delivery service in the Nashville area. All brands, all styles, you pick. Contact the Nashville Cares 24-hour hotline at 615-761-4474 to order condoms and lube. 
Did you know that there is a once-daily prescription medicine that helps lower your chance of getting HIV from sex or intravenous drug use? Speak to a Nashville Cares testing and counseling specialist about your risk of HIV and for getting information about PrEP Now. Nashville Cares provides PrEP Now referrals, access to a provider, medication, and quick, easy HIV testing at no cost to you. You must be HIV negative to take PrEP. Call 615-761-4474 for more information. We're back. And today we're talking about the other F word, fentanyl. Um, Most people don't know much about fentanyl uh, unless they knew someone who had cancer and took it for pain relief. But it's unless you know how you got somewhere, you you can't figure out how you got somewhere until you know where you've been, right? So today we're going to talk about the background of fentanyl and where all that went wrong. Because... You know, fentanyl was created with good intentions. Um, it was designed to relieve pain, but it took a left on down the toilet, and it's been going down the toilet ever since. So we're going to talk about it. Um, fentanyl was first synthesized in 1960 by Dr. Paul Janssen. Now, Janssen was a Belgian chemist, okay? And he's also the founder of Janssen Pharmaceuticals. So the name might have sounded familiar to you if you've turned on a television you probably have caught some Janssen commercial on some medication they take. They're a huge pharmaceutical company. But he had been working to find a painkiller that was more powerful and more specific than anything that was currently available in the 60s. And his team had found some success with other medicines, but it was actually fentanyl uh, that was their big breakthrough drug. It was their winner. So why was fentanyl the one? Well, it's because fentanyl is a hundred times more powerful than even morphine. So, I had morphine after surgery one time. Can't take it. Um, it caused, first of all, I thought I was dying. Second of all, I thought I had forgotten to swallow, how to swallow. I would be a terrible um, person who used drugs illicitly. But imagine if you've taken it, something a hundred times more powerful than that. That's fentanyl, right? Uh, and it became one of the most potent opioids in the world at the time, in the 60s. So let's jump forward a couple of years. So it's 1963. Fentanyl gets introduced to the various Western European countries. So that's your Belgium, your France, your Ireland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom. I probably forgot some. If I did, I'm sorry. But And what these countries did is they started combining fentanyl with other medications and started using it intravenously. No pains happening in Europe, right? No pain in Europe. Now, fentanyl didn't get approved in the United States by the uh, United States Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, until 1968. And all the opponents were saying, hey, This is a likely candidate for abuse. This medication has great potential to be a likely, that's their words, likely candidate for abuse. Likely? That's an understatement, right? The approval was only valid. So when the FDA approved it, they only approved it with use with another drug. And they did that because they believed that would minimize its abuse potential. Wrong. So. So in 72, fentanyl finally becomes available for use on its own. It didn't have to be mixed with anything. Doctors could write prescriptions for straight fentanyl. 
Now, by the late 70s and the early 80s, this drug, fentanyl, was used in cardiovascular um, surgeries. It's often used as uh, part of an anesthesia. And when it went off patent in 1981, guess what? Sales went up tenfold in the U.S. Because that's what we do in the U.S. We just find out something and we just use it to death. But sales went up. Misuse and overdose cases first started emerging in mid-70s. And from 79 onward, many of these overdoses were associated with illicit forms of fentanyl that were synthesized in illegal laboratories. Okay? So now we're starting to get, we've got this drug, it's used for pain, it's got abuse potential, and now we're seeing people starting to overdose, and they're overdosing because it's getting made in illegal fentanyl laboratories. Okay. In 1983, the actic lollipop hit the medical scene, okay? This was a lollipop version of fentanyl, just what everybody needs. Um, and it was invented by Dr. Stanley and Brian Hope. Now, the federal regulators didn't approve it until 1998, and its only purpose was to treat cancer pain. In the late 80s, a California company... Um, Alza Corporation, began work, and they created a transdermal drug delivery patch that contained fentanyl. This patch was called Duragesic, and it was ultimately approved for patients with chronic pain who could not tolerate other opioids. So that's people who've already been on opioids, and either they've taken them to such a degree, or They've built up some type of resistance. They could no longer take it. So now they have available to them this patch that's loaded with fentanyl. Now, by the beginning of the 21st century, fentanyl in all its forms had become widely used analgesic, providing pain relief to thousands of patients. However, its potency made it highly vulnerable to misuse, both accidental and otherwise. So people are starting to die, whether they plan to take too much or they accidentally did, people are starting to die. Now, it's been highly reported that um, individuals who work for Ceflin, so that's a pharmaceutical company, that in the late 2000s, early 2001, just two years after federal regulators approved its use, pharma reps were ordered by their bosses to promote Actic off-label to doctors. So what does that mean? Basically, they were told to advise doctors to use the drug for purposes other than what the FDA approved it for. So, and that, in turn, boosted their sales, right? And what happened? Doctors did exactly that. They prescribed it for lower back pain, migraines, cluster headaches, and tooth pain. And suddenly, we had all these people with addiction issues, right? The whole debacle left this pharmaceutical company in legal trouble. They ended up having to enter a criminal plea and agree to pay $425 million to resolve the claims that they marketed drugs not approved by the FDA. So now this picture is starting to emerge, right? In 2005, the FDA began a continuing investigation into duragesic. Okay, remember, that's the transdermal fentanyl patch. And they started that because they noticed an unusually large amount of overdoses and deaths because of this patch. 
Um, and eventually that investigation showed that doctors were prescribing it wrong. And not only were they prescribing it wrong, but patients were building resistance and they were using the medication wrong. And because of that, they started to die. Uh, in 2007, the DEA conducted several raids on laboratories that were manufacturing counterfeit OxyContin. So OxyContin is also an opioid, but they were manufacturing fake oxys and putting fentanyl in that. Um, and those ended up, those, um, those laboratories, they're what we call now IMFs, which are illicit manufactured fentanyl laboratories. Um, but the DEA raided them, and now we know that people are starting to use pill presses, and they're putting fentanyl in medication that looks like other medications, Xanax, Oxycontin, Lortabs, uh, hydrocodone, things like that. Now, this brings us to 2008. Between 2008 and 2016, fentanyl went from a slow stream to an all-out flood, okay? Street use of fentanyl began to climb, and most of the drug supply was coming from Mexico. Uh, it was bought in uh, by North American traffickers. The rest of it came from China. Um, also, during this time, we see fentanyl being sold as heroin. So people are buying heroin, but instead of heroin, they're actually getting fentanyl. And the reason they do that is because the fentanyl is more potent. So they, they, cut, the, they cut the fentanyl with something else. People think they're buying heroin, and because fentanyl is so potent, they don't notice it. And they go home, they use what they normally use, and they overdose and they die. Um, overdoses, uh, accidental overdoses, I mean, all of, they just skyrocketed during this time. In April of 2016, the fentanyl crisis claimed its first high-profile singer, famous person was a singer, Prince, right? Um, you know, just like anything else, it takes someone famous dying or someone famous getting sick to get people's attention. You know, like with HIV, it really took Magic Johnson getting sick for people to be able to recognize that this was an equal opportunity infection, right? It never was a gay thing. It 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 always was an equal equal opportunity infection, but it took somebody famous. So, you know, in 2016, on my birthday, April 21st, I'll never forget it. I'm a huge Prince fan, but Prince passed away after using fentanyl. Now, it's not clear whether or not he knew he was using fentanyl, but nonetheless, fentanyl left him alone and dead inside of an elevator at his Paisley Park studio. Super sad especially since he may not have known that's what he was getting. Um, that same year, car fentanyl, okay, that's a fentanyl analog, started being sold on the streets. So what is car fentanyl? Well, car fentanyl is actually something they use as an elephant tranquilizer. And get this, are you ready? Fentanyl is 100 times more potent than morphine. Car fentanyl is 100 times stronger than fentanyl and 10,000 times stronger than morphine. Let that soak in for a minute. 10,000 times more powerful than morphine. Like I'm sitting here trying to think. I mean, I literally took morphine 
after that surgery and I could not swallow. I, my brain would not tell my throat to swallow. Can you, I can't even fathom something being 10,000 times stronger than that. Um, and, and they found that carfentanil, even handling carfentanil was dangerous. Um, ingesting just a grain of it, a grain, like smaller than a grain of rice, um, was fatal. It, it could prove fatal. Um, so now we've got fentanyl on the street and we've got carfentanil on the street. Um, and after that, fentanyl deaths increased 540% from 2016 to 2019. And that surge they've pinned as the third wave of the opioid crisis. So that brings us to the present, okay? So let's get some data from the CDC. The CDC's national, and that's the National Center, or, or that's the um, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and their Center for Health Statistics indicate that there were an estimated 107,622, 107,622 drug overdose deaths in the United States in 2021. Now, that's an increase of nearly 15% from the 93,655 deaths in 2020. 15% increase in one year. Of those deaths, 71,238 were as a result of fentanyl. I'll say it again. 71,238 were as a result of fentanyl. Now let's put it in perspective. For you Tennesseans out there, 71,238 would be the equivalent of the entire population of any of these cities. Jackson, Hendersonville, Kingsport, Smyrna, Spring Hill, Gallatin, Brentwood, Mount Juliet, Lebanon, and the list goes on. Now that's scary. That's capital S-C-A-R-Y exclamation mark scary so this is why we're doing this podcast this is why harm reduction is so important access to an arcan clean syringes the return of use syringes that not only saves lives but it reduces the infection rate of hiv and hepatitis i mean it saves lives access to free hiv test hepatitis test and wound care helps those people struggling with addiction the opportunity to know their status and avoid illnesses that are often associated with intravenous drug use like MRSA and staph and endocarditis. Harm reduction allows individuals to get to a place where they are ready to quit drugs and alcohol and find sobriety on their own. Look, we didn't get to where we are overnight. The fentanyl crisis is 62 years in the making. 62 years. It's not going away overnight. We have to educate each other. We've got to provide resources to people, and we have to make available all the tools that they need to stay alive. All right, that's today's show. I hope you learned something that you can share with your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your children, or anyone who will listen to you. And I hope to see you back for future episodes. If you have any questions about today's episode, contact the Nashville Cares Hotline at 
1-800-227-4474. Until next time, stay safe. This has been Lisa Binkley with The Dispensary. Thanks for listening to The Dispensary with your hosts, Lisa Binkley and Tina Ross. This podcast has been brought to you by Nashville Cares Dart Program. Be sure to visit the dispensary website at thedispensary.buzzsprout.com for other episodes. If you would like information about Nashville Cares or HIV, please visit nashvillecares.org.